Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast. Today I have Alexandra Stockwell. She is a medical doctor and some people have dubbed her the intimacy doctor, which is pretty saucy because she's an intimate marriage expert. Now I have never had anybody like Alexandra on the podcast so far. Typically we're all about open relationships and opening up. And what does that look like? Alexandra is actually a specialist in the opposite. So if you are married and you need some spice in your marriage, if you are married and your sexual intimacy is declining, if you are married and you want to stay married, Alexandra is your person. Would you please introduce yourself to everybody on the show today? Yes. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm really glad to be here. You know, there's one thing that I would actually adjust in what you said, because my focus is on long lasting marriage on long lasting committed relationship Mm -hmm. and i mostly not mostly i entirely do not address in in my website in my marketing in any of the messaging that i do or branding you won't actually find commentary one way or the other about open relating and its many flavors or not (laughs) It's actually very interesting to me because I've had a number of Christian, I would put Christian in quotes, not because I'm questioning their religious devotion, but there are certain Christians who've uh, claimed that marriage is, you know, I don't need to explain this to the audience. I'm being very careful in how I say this because I was on a pretty raunchy podcast and I shared it with my list and I know my email list consists of a whole range of different people. I have some very religious people. I have some extremely not and lots of people in between. And so when I shared the link to this podcast, knowing that many of my readers would really love to listen, Mm -hmm. I said, and if you're Christian, don't listen because the language is not sanitized and you're (laughs) don't listen. And then I had a reader respond and said, you know, I wasn't offended. I understand why you say that, but I am Christian. I love blowjobs and I love giving blowjobs. It was from a woman. And I am clear that God has given us all kinds of sexual acts. So that's why I was stumbling in how I was talking about the many Christians who encounter my work and assume that I am Christian and define marriage as something that happens between a man and a woman and all of that. And Mm -hmm. I'm extremely respectful of that approach, but I myself am actually Jewish. So like, there's so much about the assumptions that aren't correct. And so this is just fun to hear you say, you know, that I'm about monogamous marriage and in a way I am, but not in the sense of closing to open marriage. It's more that what I'm focused on is making the primary relationship hot and juicy. Mm. So I just wanted to clarify that. And then one more point in my introduction is that, yes, I am a medical doctor. I'm a family doctor. I have done all kinds of different trainings to be a relationship and intimacy coach. And my most impactful, expansive, significant training was a very in-depth 10-month training where of the 150 students, maybe one other was married, but definitely 
not to the first person she had married. Mm -hmm. It was mostly single, polyamorous, lots of fluidity on every parameter, um, much more like hippie and I'm a physician. I would yeah. not have described them <laughs> as responsible citizens, you know, lots of people living in a house together, whatever. And so one of the things that was, but, but the training that I wanted mm -hmm. was not actually available in a clean conventional way. Cause actually I did this training for my own marriage for my own sexuality and sensuality it just happened to double as a coach training and when i signed up i didn't even know what a coach was i really did it for my own for my for my okay you get what i'm saying there so um but then i was really curious so i went to the teaching lab and i was like oh i love this work and so i have been coaching since 2013 but i really was motivated because i wanted to find out how to maintain and really enjoy my marriage, um, largely because I'm a child of divorce, my husband's a child of divorce, like we, we have just lots of marriages in divorce and I didn't, I didn't wanna create divorce for my children given that I love this man so much. And so I really wanted to figure out how to how to live a full gratifying life. So the point is that I went into all kinds of contexts that people wouldn't expect to find me in. And I didn't actually tell them that, you know, at the end of each training weekend, I was going home to the suburbs to make sure my kids had done their homework and I was gonna pack the school lunches. I don't actually have a white picket fence where I live, but. I definitely live in the, su the suburbs and many people would just think I'm a soccer mom. My kids don't actually play soccer. They play baseball and basketball. But the point is that I have straddled many different worlds. And I think one of the things that I bring as a coach is access to the delicious, mysterious, explicit underbelly of sensual and sexual connection. And I talk about it with doctors and lawyers and CEOs and stay-at-home moms and just people who would never find themselves in any of the places that I've trained, but are really glad to turn up the heat and feel cherished and nourished and gratified in their relationship. Hmm. It feels really yummy. And so I think today's podcast is going to be very different. Um, Alexandra and I talked for several minutes before we started. And are you ready for me to kick this off? <laughs> I am. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to be completely honest and raw on this podcast. And I have been a huge proponent for polyamory and swinging. I have friends that are in swinging and open relationships. And sometimes we are forced to make a decision with our partner. Sometimes we have a partner who is not into that. And so we're forced to make a choice to be in an open relationship or to be in a monogamistic relationship. And I was forced with that question this week. 
I had to make a decision. And so I'm excited to have Alexandra on today. And we're going to do a bit of more of a coaching style um, because I know I'm not the only one. I have a lot of coaching clients that come to me 25 years in, which you've been married 26 years and have four kids. Um, They're usually in your boat and they're saying, I'm bored. I've been married forever. I have one client that they have only had sex with each other in 25, 26 years, never tasted anything outside the relationship. And so they get a little angsty and they get curious and they want to know what's outside. Um, And that's not necessarily my experience. I've had two ex-husbands and have great relationships with both. We have, we consciously parent all the children together. We all get along and it's very different, but sometimes you want to stay inside the relationship. And so while I haven't been with Scott for 25 years, we've been together a year now. Um, and I want to make the decision for us to stay together as a family. It changes things, right? So Alexandra, I'm going to toss this back to you so we can kind of pick up where we started before we hit record. Okay. That sounds good. And first of all, just thank you for being real and being willing to talk about this incredibly tender tension in choosing between a relationship which requires monogamy and your heart and genital yearning for something very different. Before we go into that, I just want to establish one concept. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to step back from the coaching energy and just say that throughout the Western world, probably the whole world, the most common relationship advice that is given is that you need to compromise. If you want a great marriage, compromise is the way to do it. Compromise is what it takes to be happy. Mm -hmm. That is completely wrong. If you want a bland, pleasant companionship, then compromise is absolutely the recipe to get you there. But if you want a dynamic, passionate, juicy, intimate marriage, then uncompromising intimacy is essential. And I need to define uncompromising because uncompromising does not mean you always get your way. I'm not saying the way to a great relationship for you now is to say, you know what, I'm sorry you're uncomfortable, but I'm going to do this and I'll be back at midnight, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not suggesting that at all. Because from compromise to being a dominant bully is not anything I would ever advocate. However, where compromise is basically, for many people, it's not expressing for you, it's not acting on, but I'm going to go with expressing. So it's more clear what I'm saying, that compromise is not expressing what you desire, what you dream of what your internal challenges are so your partner is more comfortable and when it comes to being uncompromising the key is to bring all of who you are to be able to say anything and have your partner hear it then what happens remains to be seen but when it comes to which restaurant you go out to eat at when it comes to where you live, whether the relationship is open or closed, like if you both share the truth of what is happening inside you, then together you can make a decision. And it is a completely different thing to end up doing something or not doing something you want to 
when you feel heard, seen, received in your wholeness, even if the thing doesn't happen, when it comes to polyamory or monogamy, it's very intense and we'll get into it, but there's so many, actually men also, but women in a very particular way who are compromising all day long, you know, in terms of what they serve for dinner, in terms of, like, I could, I could just compromise after compromise after compromise. And in fact, the result is that when a couple becomes my client and I say, well, what do you want? It very often, the woman doesn't know. And I'll say, you know, she'll, she'll say a bunch of things that's good for the family, that's good for her mm-hmm. husband, you know, in a heteronormative context. And I'll say, yeah, but what do you want for you? She doesn't even know. She just doesn't know. So my book is called Uncompromising Intimacy. I have lots of podcasts about it on the Intimate Marriage Podcast, but this concept, I just want that to be known by anyone listening to our coaching now that that's where I'm coming from. And it's not about getting your own way all the time, but it's also not about closing off, like amputating parts of yourself in order to be in the relationship. Because if you have amputated parts of yourself, that's dramatic, but it's actually real, then there's no magic switch to flip when you get to the bedroom to be fully expressed and available for connection and you bring all of yourself for the most passionate moments. That's just not available. It is in a one night stand. It is early in dating. You don't even have to know your partner's name and you can have an amazing sexual experience. But when you have a life together and you're in a committed relationship, everything which is in sex essentially functions as foreplay, bringing you closer together or creating more barriers. So do you have any questions before I now coach you out of those principles? Just the coaching will be more meaningful with that. No, I'm excited because I feel like I've been indoctrinated about compromising. My mother was hugely into we have to make a compromise. We have to make a compromise. I have to make a compromise. And I watched her, uh, you know, sever limbs metaphorically to be the perfect little wife or whatever husband she had at the time. And wow, I feel not brainwashed, but like neurally wired to think about being in relationship with anyone that way. So I'm excited to see how you can reprogram us. Okay, good. So let's dive in. And the first thing that has my attention is how you've communicated with your partner about wanting polyamorous experiences, not what you've communicated, but how. So will you say something about that? Sure. Um, I would say a big way is I am very public about opening my marriage last fall, being polyamorous for months and months and getting to kind of taste the rainbow. I don't think I've ever hidden the fact that I am polyamorous. I think that he thought that would go away and that I would just become monogamous. Um, And so what I'm finding, because I didn't know the answer to this either, but what I'm finding after almost a year together is that that piece of me doesn't just go away. 
it's still there. It, it yearns to love other people. Um, in addition to him, I have such capacity for love. It's ridiculous. It's huge. And so I've said all of this to him. Um, we've had multiple, multiple, multiple conversations. We have a polyamorous therapist. So we've worked super in depth and I have been very clear and I have been uncompromising in, in the level of clarity and depth that I have gone, um, and speaking what I desire and what I request and what I want. And do you feel that he has been present enough to receive it and understands what you're saying? I mean, I'm sure he understands each word, but I mean that, that, that he, like if you asked him, what is this desire I have, that he could share it with you in a way that you would be like, yes, that's it. Maybe Even if not. he's a no. I think because it, um, when it goes through his wiring, it comes out as you want to fuck a lot of people. Got it. Which is not the same. No. So the reason that I just adore uncompromising intimacy and what it opens mm -hmm. is that before any decision is made, the two of you have what I'm going to non-judgmentally call a communication problem because what you desire is clear to you but he's not actually hearing what that desire is and he's a no to something and there's a context for that no which you may be aware of but i'm not hearing it at all in what you're saying i'm only hearing his limitation in receiving you I'm not hearing what you're receiving about who he is that is important as the two of you navigate this. So are you asking me about my clarity about what he actually wants versus me? Yeah, let's start there. I feel very clear about that. So Scott is a very um, monogamistic kind of old school kind of guy. So he believes that intimacy is shared through sexual relations. Cock inside vagina equals ultimate intimacy. The opposite for me would be intimacy means sharing, well, for our intimate bond, it's for us sharing a life together. It's us sharing house together and chores together and kids together and um, making dinners together and snuggling together on the couch and all these things that like make our relationship so juicy and so delicious. And you notice that I didn't one time say amazing sex, which we have amazing sex. But for me, that particular piece, which is so important to him is like out here in the field where for me, intimacy is all the other things outside of sex. Sex is just kind of a byproduct of amazing relationshiping. Okay. Well, he's attracted to you. Yes. He responds to the amazing, juicy woman you are with a lot of range. So it's important to remember that. It, it, he's not like if he wanted something more conventional, more cock, vagina, one to one, like there are many women who would provide 
participating in that model. So he was drawn to you. And as you shared in one of your other podcasts in the Sexcapade one, like from the very first date, you were clear about just how juicy and sexual you are. So mm-hmm. let me just step back a little bit to provide a few more intellectual understandings. One is that I really believe that personal relationships, specifically the intimate primary one, is the ultimate vehicle for personal growth. Amen. I totally agree. And so if it's attachment, you know, if if it's nervous, anxious attachment or something like that, then we know that we're going to be activated in the relationship and there's an opportunity for rewounding or healing and transformation. Obviously in your work, you facilitate the healing and transformation. That's what I do, but I'm very clear that like when things are going to arise Mm -hmm. and it's, do you want to essentially suffer and regress to the, the childhood wounding, let's just say, or to slow down, see what's at play, really be connected with yourself and your partner and allow a new experience to emerge. So we know that this is true in many different areas in relationship, you know, like it could arise when it comes to whether the bed is made every morning, like anything can trigger this. But when it comes to sexuality and polyamory, then it's easy to look at it actually with a more fixed mindset. And I know there is all of the biology, you know, some people are monogamous, that's just how they are. Some people are polyamorous or, you know, whatever it is, that's just how they are. And there's a lot of truth there, but there's also truth in that in this moment, the two of you have hit against some kind of, some kind of wounding at least he has, but my guess is you have too, even if I am not able to say exactly what in this minute, Mm -hmm. because it, it wouldn't impact you in this way if it didn't. So before I say more, let me just ask, what are you hearing in what I've just said? Uh, more than I have in like two straight years of therapy. This is amazing. This is so juicy. I love what you're saying about kind of the relationship being the playground for growth and that we get to choose to sit in our misery and be angry and anxious and unhappy, or we choose to get to do the work. And I, you, you, you mentioned the attachment style, which is hilarious because our, our polytherapist just this last week gave us the quiz. And so we both did the quizzes and I can tell you automatically what mine was, um, that the pieces that were, and I'll, and I'll attach the link to this. So you guys can check it out in the notes. It was a really interesting quiz and that you have to go through the attachment style or the attachment that you feel towards your father, towards your mother as two separate entities. They're not just your parents and your partner. And I could not believe the level of like, I'd never sat and thought, do I go to my dad when I have hard things in my life? Do I feel like my mother will show up for me? Do I feel like my partner will leave me? 
and have to honestly answer these questions. And then you have a range. It's like one to five or one to 10. And I definitely feel triggered that he will leave me. We talk about this often. It's a trigger for both of us. When he gets overwhelmed, he says, it's just easier for me to be single with my dog and live alone. This is too hard. And he shuts down. I'm, I'm done, ready to go. And then I'm the one that's on the other side, like, no, we can do this. We can figure this out. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. So we both definitely have this leave me attachment wounding uh, that seems to just kind of go in this circular loop of me, like, please don't leave. And him, like, I'm just going to fucking leave. <laughs> please don't leave. I'm gonna... Okay. Well, I, I just want to leave. Right. We don't want to but... break up. Jennifer, I just want yeah. to point out, I think this was based on what you said before we started recording, but okay. you and your partner are in exactly that same dynamic on this issue right now. Mm. He's like, this is too hard. If you don't make it easy for me, I'm out of here. And yeah. you're like, no, no, don't go. I'll make it easy for you. Yeah. So like I lay over dead, I'm like, <laughs> like dead bug pose. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. What, what, what comes up? I don't know. I don't think I ever looked at it like this. You're right. So I want to, you know, if, if I were coaching you, I would like you were my client, I would want to really sit in this moment a lot longer than I'm going to do in the podcast because what I actually want to do is get to the arc of the whole resolution mm -hmm. even if I'm not going to guide you through that entirely right now but I'll, <laughs> I'll name the milestones and by the, the way landmark. quick side note I'm really happy that we're doing this because we keep going in this cycle in this loop even with our own therapist and she'll be like then you got to break up and I'm like, there has to be another solution. Like there has to be some kind of middle ground or some other option that we're not aware of that can ease the tension and ease the angstiness between you're right, this loop that we're in. Right. Because when that, that attachment tension loop is around sexuality, mm -hmm. it is really existentially complicated in a way that it isn't when it's about which car you're going to buy. <laughs> I bet. But it is the same loop. And so let me just say that uh, my program, The Aligned and Hot Marriage, mm -hmm. is laying out all of the tools for any kind of situation. I don't actually talk about non-monogamy in the program but it all applies and it applies whether it's about what car or the situation that you're in so i just want to say that step number one for both of you however you can go first when it comes to growth and change yes we want our partner to change first and make it safe for us to change but somebody's got to go first and if you're listening make it be you so <laughs> okay and that is to cultivate curiosity to, there is so much more about his no that you haven't accessed yet. Mm -hmm. Like I'm guessing, but he's not here to confirm or deny. So I know that this is conjecture, but there's something about his sense of himself as a man 
about what it would mean for him if he couldn't satisfy his woman. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, if, if, um, I don't, I don't know what his, uh, career is or what his financial earnings are, but that's going to be wrapped up in all of this too. And like, there's so many existential things you're basically with the beauty of your desire asking him to become somebody different than he knows himself to be. Now that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it would be different than he truly is. I I was very deliberate in how I said that, but it's asking him to become someone different than who he knows himself to be. And the thing Mm -hmm. is that there are all kinds of tragedies that happen in the world and we become someone we didn't know ourselves to be when we have a death or I live in California where houses burn down more often than not, you know, than, than is standard. And that changes one's identity. Like there are many things or an mm-hmm. illness, but this is something where it feels like there's volition that he can choose. And it's very rare that people choose to transform their sense of themselves voluntarily. So what I would say is one of the most important things for you to put your attention on is how to make it safe for him to change without having an agenda that he changes. Like it's more of an invitation. And to, for the next phase, however long that is, have all of your conversations be ones where your primary goal is to listen generously. So if right now he says, no way, and gets up because it's just too much, then your goal is for five more minutes of peaceful conversation. And once that is what the two of you do, then have it, in other words, When he feels fully received exactly how he is, Mm -hmm. that in itself is such a healing experience and paves the way for him to receive who you really are. But right now, that's too confronting for him. Tell me what you're feeling or thinking now. That's really beautiful. I love the idea of it being an invitation. Like it's an invitation to consider this thing, or it's an invitation for you to tell me how you feel and I'll sit and just hold space for you. Yeah. And with no ulterior motive. Yeah. And that, that takes a lot of emotional intelligence. It you may need to at one point when you feel your blood boiling, despite your intentions of neutrally and generously receiving him, you say, I'm so grateful you're speaking. I just need a moment. Like you need to don't make this conversation a form of compromise. You still need to prioritize your own needs. But the way I often talk about this with any kind of issue, but certainly this one is to focus on the connection more than the content you'll get to the content but the the primary place to have your attention is how 
open your hearts are and how connected you are. And when you catch it starting to close to slow down, or maybe that's enough for that conversation for that moment. But the potency of curiosity, where you only ask if you're actually interested and you're ready to listen generously and not judge the answer, that, that is one of the secret sauces that opens up so much. And even though I don't need to say this to you right now, for anyone listening, I do want to go on and say that I often have people ask me, like I had this one client who had been married for five years, loved her husband, but the sex was boring and that was really important to her and they got divorced because of that. And then she was with her next partner, this fabulous man in a great relationship five years in, their sex was good, but she was concerned because she said, I just love novelty. Like, how is this going to work? Mm -hmm. And my response to her was, in the context of long-term committed relationship, novelty is totally different than at the beginning. It's not about new positions or, you know, going through the Kama Sutra or something like, no, it's <laughs> a level of depth where you know one another's bodies so well and your attention is so mindful and sensual that the smallest micro adjustment, like let's say my husband and I are having sex and we'll just go with he's on top of me. It sounds nice and conventional. Um, and <laughs> he might make tiniest adjustment in position and suddenly there are fireworks we have discovered a whole new stratosphere of sensation and that continues to happen for us not every time but enough and the only context for those kinds of tender curious totally deep intimate moments is because the rest of the time we're aiming to have the kinds of conversations and using the tools that I teach that I'm inviting you to use when you communicate with Scott. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Like look for the microcosmic adjustments which my Scott is very much like what you guys are doing. Very in tune, very intuitive, even in the bedroom, very much like, what if I do circular thrusting? What if I do this other thing? Like, what if we, so it is very spicy and fun, but I hear what you're saying, even on a deeper level. Well, I don't know if he's gonna, is he gonna listen to this podcast? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, He'll be making well, audiograms for me. <laughs> okay, well, with total respect, that he gets to be king of his own soul and body and priorities. So I, I say this with respect, but I think based on what you've said so far, not today, not tomorrow, but there absolutely is a possibility where he feels so fully received in who he is. Mm -hmm. And through that 
receives you so fully that he even says, okay, I don't know how I'm going to feel until we, we discover, but let's, let's see what happens when you go for this. Mm. Now I have no illusion that there's a lot of profound, complex territory between where you are now and getting to that point. But when, when couples learn to be uncompromising in the way that I'm talking about, mm -hmm. the intimacy and the trust and the self-awareness is expanded and then things become possible that just were not possible before. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a couple that I'm coaching now and she thought she didn't like to be touched. And it's been very painful for both of them because he really wants to touch. And what's come out, they've been together, I forget right now if it's 15 years or what it is, it's that she needs a particular kind of touch mm -hmm. to enjoy it. And she didn't know it until I listened deeply and asked questions. And he certainly had no idea and is perfectly glad to make the adjustment. He just didn't know. But the reason that I'm telling this is that 15 years in, they never would have dreamed that they could find a togetherness that isn't compromised and works for both of them. And we're still in process to discover how much that is, but they now have a whole new like hope and clarity about what was at issue that they didn't know before. And that really just comes from curiosity. Mm -hmm. And communication. Yeah. Her being I, able I, to say, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that because just this morning we were laying in bed and I said, what makes you touch me, you know, in a really light, sensual way versus apply pressure or like use some fingernails or just the very tips of your fingers? Like, how do you know? Because it's always perfect. And he says, I don't know. It just feels really intuitive. Like my body is so connected with yours. It just knows how you want to be touched in that moment. And I'm sure there's some more sciencey stuff behind all of that. But I like now, that you I that love up. that description. I, I want to correct something I said earlier that the, all it takes is curiosity. What I really mean is that's where it begins. It doesn't yeah. only take curiosity, but that is foundational and where it begins. But when I hear you talk about the intuitive way that he touches you, I have this image in my mind that when it comes to polyamory, it's a place where right now you're not touching one another. And that disconnection, I don't mean because of the nature of polyamory, I mean, in a soul sense, you're not touching one another there. Yeah, it's true. And so another way to talk about the same thing we've been talking about so far is <laughs> to find the way to feel like you're connecting and touching on this issue too. And when that happens, there is a like a synergistic wholeness Opening. and integration mm -hmm. 
because the two of you have this beautiful connection and then this part being a source of disconnection is a dramatic difference. And when you learn to be connected there, this is before taking any action with anybody. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. But when you learn to be connected there so that you can have a loving conversation and you both feel seen and heard and that you're seeing and hearing the other one and you cherish one another in connection uh, in relation to polyamory and monogamy, then any choice that the two of you make and any choice that you personally make, Jennifer, is going to feel totally, totally different mm -hmm. than if you end up, or as you have, chosen not to be polyamorous as a form of compromise mm -hmm. and needing to just drop a part of yourself at the door when you come home. In other words, I don't have any particular agenda in whether or not your relationship together is polyamorous or monogamous, but insofar as I have an agenda, it's that your whole self can be welcome in the relationship and his whole self can be welcome in the relationship. And then again and again and again, creative solutions that work for everybody become available because you shift into possibilities and mm. more ease rather than armoring protection and defensiveness. Yes, which is more this than like hunkering down. And as you've been saying all of this, I think also that it's, it's important to say, and now I can see, I can see a way forward now. I think it's important to say um, it's been interesting in our journey because he has been open to some play. We have played with friends. We just got back Saturday from a swinger Halloween event where it was very pretty tame. We had dinner together um, as, a, as a big, huge group. We had board game play, saucy board games. Um, it was a fun environment and that you could, you know, get a little drunk and, you know, you could touch your partner in a way that you couldn't in an Applebee's, right? Or whatever. Is that even still open? Red Lobster? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Normal family, uh, you know, dinner event out in public. Um, and it's, so it's, it's, it's been fun to watch him start to play a bit in more in my world where it's much more open and it's okay to be sexual or show your sexuality. Um, and then, and just kind of watch and see what happens. I think my favorite thing out of this podcast so far is then the way that you teed this up at the beginning, when you said, when you met him, he knew you were very highly sexual. He knew what you were doing. He knew that you were in an, in open relationships and he fell in love with you, specifically you to have a penis and vagina, uh, relationship or act with any other woman could be not only highly possible, but easy. And he could choose that, but instead he's chosen kind of this highly complex woman to want to be in relationship with. His soul was called to you as well as his body. That's so sweet. And then to go comma and the relationship, a relationship with a partnership with someone is the best 
what we believe to be a perfect playground to release childhood traumas and work through the hardship in your life and, you know, learn all of these lessons together. And then the next piece that you talked about was like, then, and then you get to choose, do you want this to be really hurtful and harmful, not harmful, but hurtful and angsty, or do you want to take your relationship and your partnership that you're with in someone and choose to like, use that playground to work through all of this stuff together in love, in sitting down and being completely open to hold space with your partner and ask them what's going on in their life or ask them particular questions without an agenda and listen and hold space. And that's probably the part where we are sticky and where we need to work on is how can we freely and openly communicate with each other without judgment, without feeling completely triggered, holding space and really understanding each other um, in love, even if it's not completely hundred percent aligned with what we believe ourselves to be um, like the way we want to show up in the world or our partner or whatever preconceived notions. Yeah. I love so much that you said that. And I have two different things I want to say. One is that having a fantastic relationship, having a relationship where it really is alchemical and a place for personal growth is a learnable skill. And mm. it is exactly why I provide the education because where else is somebody gonna learn this, but it is a learnable skill. That's the thing I really wanna emphasize. It's not like you're either, you know, you either got it or you don't. No, it is a learnable skill. And we don't have role models that show what this looks like, but it is totally possible. And um, it's really what, the aligned and hot marriage is designed for, even though I'm not talking about monogamy or polyamory, I'm talking about how to, how to be whole with yourself and your partner and navigate what comes up along the way. So like you've been together a year, of course you don't have this nailed down and checked off. <laughs> like this is, you only have access to this kind of growth is what I'm going to say uh -huh. to this kind of transformation when it goes in the right direction. You only have access to that once you are with someone long enough to feel safe and patterns to emerge. I do have some couples who reach out to coach with me, like just when they get engaged, you know, wanting to figure it all out before they get married or in the process of deciding whether to get engaged. But mostly I work with couples who've been together at least five years, but when it's the third major relationship, then you know things earlier because I want people to know their patterns. I don't want to be telling people their patterns because they, you know, then they're like, what are you saying? No, we're not. Well, when you're together long enough, then you see your patterns and then the really gorgeous work can happen of untangling and evolving them. Yes. So inside this is the, the relationship inside the relationship you don't this have is, to run away <laughs> this is the gift of being with someone for a while that this becomes possible and then the other thing i just wanted to say mm. which is a little bit of a pivot given everything you've shared about your relationship since you have played the swinger halloween dinner party the other experiences you've had rather than focusing on going from those 
to you dating another couple, which is obviously triggering and confronting for your partner to instead hang out more in the kind of play that he's been a yes to. And I don't mean go to another Halloween dinner party with swingers. What I mean is <laughs> in your conversation, asked him what he liked. Like, what was your favorite moment at that dinner party? And if you could be a choreographer, who would you have moved around to create a different dance? I, I don't know if that's too poetic. He sounds no, like No, that a, makes sense. Okay. Um, and And like any of the other experiences, like, savor them more like mm -hmm. so that they go from having been the reach mm -hmm. to being the familiar the pleasurable enjoyable interesting experiences because when those are not the reach but become familiar and celebrated more and in and like savored then the next step into more adventure is less of a big crazy confronting overwhelming step because yes. you essentially in savoring the explorations you've been doing you change the baseline of what's comfortable because the way you're talking the baseline is conventional marriage and so like the juicy stuff were these explorations <laughs> and i honor that that's true for him but for you those were just like you know, dipping your toe in super mild and you want to take all your clothes off and jump in naked. Yeah. That's too much. It needs to be calibrated, but the way to calibrate is not by telling him over and over again what you want. It's by savoring what has been and honoring that and having a new baseline such that you're both ready for the next step. Mm -hmm. It's like a ripening process. And when things are gentle in this way, okay, maybe maybe you need to slow down a little bit, but what if instead you focus for yourself, this is a way to make it not a compromise for you, to extracting even more pleasure from whatever explorations you're doing, because mm -hmm. any experience can be more gratifying with mindfulness i mean if it's a good experience mm -hmm. it can be more more good <laughs> like that actually is part of my training to like i can I'm, I'm trying to decide whether i want to say this on air um i'll talk about my client that i have coached so that she can have experiences with men she's not attracted to and really enjoy it because she's found the dial inside herself i've guided her to find her own pleasure dial and it's an extremely I'm, I'm introducing a whole new concept here but it's a very sovereign way to live that you don't need a better lover to have more pleasure you need to find your own cockpit so to speak and adjust the dial so i'm just I, I hope that's clear if not you'll ask a question but my invitation to you is to savor and raise the baseline of what works for your partner so then he's ready and ripe for the next step 
And in the meantime, you're not just being nice and twiddling your thumbs until he's ready for more, but you are finding your own edges and expanding your own pleasure within the containers you're in. That's perfect. Thank you. I love your delivery and your approach because it feels like so soothing to my nervous system mm. where I would say most of the other content that I'm consuming is like, jump in the deep end, do this thing, go to an orgy. Like <laughs> you're right. And if it's, it's making me feel frantic, I'm sure it makes him want to just peel his skin off of his body and run away. Um, so this has been incredibly helpful for me. And I'll make sure he listens to this podcast. I think it's helpful for both of us. It, it's, it's uh, uncompromising, but also compromising in all the right ways and still being able to show up authentically as us. I want to transition us into the end of this podcast. Can you, I know you've already kind of mentioned a few ways that people can play with you. I'm like, please sign me up. I want to figure out how to play more with you as well. Um, what are all the ways that people can join in if they want more of you? Well, go to alexandrastockwell.com because that is the gateway to everything. I, my book is a great starting place, Uncompromising Intimacy. Again, I'm not really addressing polyamory or non-monogamy, but this is an amazing example of how it all would apply. So mm -hmm. my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, my podcast, The Intimate Marriage Podcast, I'm active on social media. Join my Facebook group, The Intimate Marriage Facebook group. And my programs, I have them really at many different levels so I can meet people where they are. So I actually have a $7 program called The Surprising Secret to Having a Fantastic Relationship. And then I have um, a program on desires and how to connect with your desires, how to make friends with them and how to ask for what you want so it feels really good to give it to you. I have a um, a program called Intimacy. Those two are just $50 meant to be take you by the hand and walk the next steps with you. And then I have the Aligned and Hot Marriage, which is a, an independent study program. And I also, the next time I'll start will be in January of 2023, an incredible program, the Aligned and Hot Marriage program live where I take three to four couples through the curriculum with really personalized coaching. And then I also work with couples privately, but that is a, a deep commitment in terms of time and also financial resources. So that was a long answer, but I really wanna say that wherever you are, mm. it's a beautiful place to be. And there's a next step to take in being more self-expressed and having more intimacy and more passion and more deliciousness in your life. And again, alexandrastockwell.com is the place to start. Thank you. We'll put, we'll put this in the show notes. We'll put the link, um, as well as that attachment quiz that I mentioned. I think those are the only two things that we really need to put in the bottom. So thank you for being on today. This is, it was very different, very different podcast. It's like Jen got some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and some amazing tips. And I hope that you guys also took away mountains of, of, of tips as well for your own relationship. Um, I loved this approach. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. We'll see you next thank time. Thank you. And yes, thank me. you for choosing to be coachable in this lovely, lovely way. 
Thank you.